This morning we'll read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading from the ESV. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, Father, Son, and Spirit, I pray today that you would sanctify our imaginations. As we seek to peer into the time before time when there was nothing but you, our minds cannot grasp the truth that we find there. As we seek to peer even into your nature, Yahweh God, there are mysteries and thoughts that are far beyond us. And so we pray by your Spirit that you would open our hearts and minds, that we might see, think, and understand clearly the truth that is you. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are well acquainted with darkness. That darkness exists is a fundamental presupposition because every night, what happens? It gets dark. The light goes away. The darkness comes. That has always been the way it happened. You've never had a night... Like maybe if you timed your, an air, airplane flight just right, but typically, the light goes away, the darkness comes. If you allow your mind to imagine the time before time, before anything existed, typically what do we imagine in that place but darkness? And when you look at pagan creation myths, And even at Genesis 1, even then you find darkness. What does Genesis say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it goes on. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Every day, your life begins and ends with darkness. And indeed, the first day of existence, began with darkness. We are well acquainted with darkness. Of course, we are also well acquainted with darkness in the metaphoric sense. When you look at the history of humanity, what do you find but a story besmirched with darkness, chaos, and death? Adam's son kills his brother. Even today, Brother kills brother out of hatred, pride, and greed. The human story is often dark. Even when we look at ourselves, we look at the people around us and the world around us, we still find darkness. And so you almost have to wonder which came first, darkness 
or light. It's almost like a, a chicken or an egg. And sometimes it begins to feel as though darkness is our fundamental presupposition. In our minds, darkness often seems like the norm. It seems like the baseline. When you look at yourself, you look at the world, you expect darkness rather than light. And it brings a sense of hopelessness, even despair. Is darkness the norm? Is that the baseline? And can things ever be different? Can this world change? Can I change? Or is this our lot? The hopelessness of darkness and death. Each year the Christmas story and the Christmas season is a festival of light shining in the darkness. Each year the Christmas story calls out that there is hope amidst the darkness. And that Christmas story begs us to ask the question of how and who. How can this darkness in me and around me be overcome? And who will accomplish that victory? Because I have no power over it. Now, we could cheat today and read the end of the story. We could jump ahead to the manger and to the birth of the light of the world, but we're not going to do that because it's not Christmas yet. Today marks the beginning of the season of Advent, and Advent is a season of longing. Advent is a season of waiting. Truly, Advent is a season of sitting in the dark, looking out the window and waiting for the light. And so we prepare ourselves today to sit and to wait for Christmas Day. And as we do, I want to ask a strange question. What existed before the darkness? Before the primordial darkness and chaos that we see hanging over the unformed deep in Genesis 1-2? Before the darkness that you see in humanity and that you see spread across the earth? Before the chaos, before the death, before the pain that we see in ourselves and in the ones we love? Before all these things, even before the beginning, in the time before time, what existed then? What came before the darkness? Here's the first blank in your worship guide. If you look, you turn just inside the last page, there's some space there to take notes. If you want to fill in the blanks, here's your first one. Before the darkness, there was light. The Bible begins in Genesis 1 with these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Darkness was a part of the package with the earth. Before the darkness, before the earth, there was something else that existed. Here's your next blank. Before the darkness that you know and presuppose, there was something else, God. In the time before time existed, in the eternal and infinite past, before matter and before man, there was only God. That is the teaching of Genesis 1. Before chaos, before darkness, before sin, before anything, there was God. He precedes it all. He oversees it all. He is something separate from all this. He is uncreated, self-sustaining, sovereign creator, not a creature. And what's interesting is that when Jesus' disciple John begins writing his biography of Jesus, he doesn't begin in a manger 
He doesn't begin with angels and shepherds and wise men. He doesn't even begin with the name Jesus. He goes back to a different time, a different place. When John wants to tell Jesus' story, very curiously, he goes back to this vision of the time before time when only God existed. And John says this. In the beginning was the Word. Who is this Word? I mean, who could possibly be there in the beginning? In the space before creation. In the space before earth. In the space before darkness and everything. Who could this person be in the moments before darkness existed? Here's your next blank. Also, before the darkness. Are we seeing that there was God, but also before the darkness, there was the Word, a personal being who existed at the beginning. When I say that the Word is a, is a personal being, I'm saying that John is not presenting the Word as a, a, the force or some impersonal passion or impulse. No, this is a real being. John presents the word as someone, a sentient, personal being who can be known. He exists. John goes on. Let's continue. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, John is intentionally echoing Genesis 1 here. He's basically agreeing with Genesis 1. Yes, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but he adds to it. He basically says, yes, God was there in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, but before creation, there was a personal being with God who was also God. And that one, that personal being, is called the Word. What is John telling us about this mysterious figure? Here's your next blank. First, the Word was not a created being. When John says he was in the beginning with God, he's saying that the Word pre-existed the second clause of Genesis 1.1. Before existence, before the heavens and the earth, before time and creation, what was there? God and the Word. The Word preceded creation. He was not a created being. Likewise, he preceded the darkness that would come with creation. So who is this word? He's not a created being. Second, here's your next blank. The word is also a distinct figure in intimate relation to God. The word is a distinct figure in intimate relation to God. So when John says that the word was with God... That means this is not another figure who's at loggerheads with God. He's not opposed to God. This isn't God's enemy. This isn't the yin to God's yang. No. But at the same time, the word is not out there floating separately from God. No, God and the word are on the same page. They're connected. There's an intimacy and a relationship between God and the word here. The word was with God. Now, To modern ears, this probably all sounds a little strange. Um, How could there be someone with God before creation? But to ancient ears, this was not strange. 
Both the Greeks and the Jews had entertained this notion of another thing existing in eternity past with God. You know what the Greeks called that thing? They called it the Word. The Jews, on the other hand, called it wisdom. For the Greeks, the Word was not a being, but an idea or a thing. The word, depending on the philosopher, was either a truth or a substance from which all of creation was derived. Here's your next blank. For the Greeks, if you could understand the word, you could understand the meaning of existence because everything came from the word. For the, for the Greeks, the word, it's like the secret meaning of the universe. If you could understand this one underlying truth of all existence, or if you could understand the physical substance from which all things were generated, then you could figure out why we exist. If only you knew the word. Now, the Jews didn't use this language of the word, but there are Old Testament passages that talk about wisdom standing alongside God in the beginning. And like the Greeks, wisdom was not a being in the Jewish understanding. Wisdom was more like God's blueprint for all creation. Wisdom came from the mind of God, but when the Psalms and Proverbs speak of wisdom, they kind of personify wisdom. So for the Jews, here's your next blank. If you could understand wisdom, you would know the secret purposes of God's sovereign, creative mind. So this idea of something existing alongside God even before creation was actually fairly common in John's day, both among Greeks and Jews. But what isn't common is the Jews and Greeks did not think of this figure as a personal being. And what John is doing here is he is intentionally taking from both the Greek and Jewish notions of the word and of wisdom, and he's transforming them. Here's your next blank. According to John... In the Word, you find a personal being who is connected with God. And in him, you find the meaning of life and existence. Do you want to understand your life? Do you want to understand the world? Do you want to understand the point of all this? You can find it in this Word, in this person, in this being, in whom you will find the hidden imaginations and secret purposes of God. In the Word, you will find truth and wisdom and truly the answer to all of life's deepest and most difficult questions. And the answer to all those questions, the answer is a person. A being. Someone, perhaps, that you can know. The Word is not a created being, but a distinct figure in intimate relation to God, and in Him we find the answers to life's deepest, most important questions. But John doesn't stop there. Here's your next blank. This distinct figure, the Word, was also God. In the beginning, He existed He was, verse 1 says, and he was with God. He was distinct and in relationship to God, but he was also God himself. Not a God, not a divine being, or a being with divine characteristics. No, he was God. The Word is more than an impersonal word or wisdom that undergirds existence. No, John's Word is God. Here's your next blank. 
John teaches here a first principle of the Trinity, which is this. Within the eternally existing God, we find separate persons that, though distinct, share the same substance. I'll say it for you again. It's the first principle of the Trinity we see in John. Within the eternally existing God, we find separate persons that, though distinct, share the same substance. Now, that language is deeply theological, complex, and hard to understand. But truth be told, the Trinity is hard to understand. If you can explain the Trinity in a way that someone else understands really well, or you understand really well, then you've probably explained it poorly. All right? Some people explain the Trinity like water. You know, the water can be in three different states, right? It can be ice, a solid. It can be water, a liquid. Or it can be steam, a gas. If we try to explain the Trinity in that way, that's a heresy called modalism. Because God is not one person at a time. No, he is three persons at all times sharing the same substance. God, from eternity past, has always been Father, always been Son, and always been Spirit. Not ever one or two, always three persons sharing the same substance. Some people will explain the Trinity like a car or like a three-leaf clover. You know, they're like three leaves all connected by one stem, or you have three parts, of, you know, you have like the body of a car, the engine or the chassis, they'll do it like that. Three parts in complete cooperation. Well, that too misses the mark because they are not separate entities put together, working together. They're also not three fractions of a whole. Each person of the Trinity is fully God and they share the same substance. It's hard to understand, isn't it? I know it's hard to explain because I'm trying to do it right now. And so what are we left with but the language of the creeds and the language of John and other scriptures like it. And how does John put it? This inspired exploration of the Trinity. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here's your next blank. God in eternity past has existed as one being with three persons in perfect relationship. Granted, we don't see the Holy Spirit in John 1, 1, and 2. But we do see him in Genesis 1, 1, and 2. When Moses says darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Well, if the Word, like the Spirit, is in the beginning with God, what was the Word doing? Well, what did God do in the beginning? He created in the beginning. Thank you very much. Here's your next blank. The Word, as a member of the Godhead, participated with God in making all things. Look at verses 3 and 4. All things were made through Him. That is the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. What does that mean, that He had life in him. First of all, it's another statement about the word's divinity, right? God was not created. He simply exists. God is self-sustaining. He has life in him. He has no beginning and no end. God is the source of all life, and no life may exist apart from him. That is true of the word. How did life come to be? Genesis 1 tells us God spoke, and there was life. Here's your next blank. As God spoke creation into existence, 
in Genesis 1, 3 and following. So the personal word enacted God's purposes through creation in John 1, 3. I'll say it again. As God spoke creation into existence in Genesis 1, so the personal word enacts God's purposes through creation. John is again giving us a different perspective on how God created. God did not merely speak and boop, everything just popped out of nothing. No, he spoke and he also made. All three persons of the Trinity in a perfect symphony of sound and movement, light and life, together with one mind and one purpose, together they made all things that exist. God speaks. The Word creates. The Spirit hovers. And nothing exists without this one God's intention and action. All this before the darkness. All this before the pain. All this before conflict. All this before sin. All this even before creation. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And God created the heavens and the earth with and through the Word. Let's read again verses 4 and 5. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What came before the darkness? Before the darkness that we know and presuppose, there was God. And before the darkness, there was the Word who was with God and who was God. And before the darkness, there was also light. And what is this light? It is the life within the Word. The self-sustaining, self-existing life of God. This life was the light of men. Now, what does that mean? These five verses are mind-boggling to me. What does it mean that the life in the Word was the light of men? Here's your next blank. Because the Word has the power of life in Himself, because He can create, He has the capacity to bring light to all darkness, even to the darkness of humanity. I'll say it again. Because the Word has the power of life in Himself, He has the capacity to bring light to all darkness, even to the darkness of humanity. So if the Word, this distinct figure in relation with God, if He is self-sustaining, He has life in Him, If he, as God, has life in himself, if he can create from nothing except the power of life in himself, then what can he not do? (laughs) He has the capacity, the power, and the authority to obliterate all darkness. If he can make something from nothing, I think he can take care of making dark light. So John, in essence, says the word shines. He who shined and brought life in the beginning, the same one shines even now, and the darkness cannot overcome him. If creating is no problem for the word, neither is darkness. So here in the time before time, before the darkness ever was, there was the dawn. The light that brought creation into existence the light that was life itself, we find this light and life in the Word. 
And he shines in the darkness. And with what does he shine? He shines with hope that darkness can be undone. As Isaiah 9-2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light shone. So here's my question in response to all this. Do you believe that the darkness in your life and in your world could actually be overcome rather than the darkness overcoming the light? That's your next blank. Do you believe that the darkness in your life and world could be overcome rather than that darkness overcoming the light? We have a really hard time believing this could be true because we've always known the darkness to be. We saw the darkness in our homes growing up, didn't we? We've seen darkness in our friendships. We've seen darkness in our workplaces. We see darkness on the news. Darkness seems to be everywhere. It seems like the norm. It seems like the baseline. And it's even there in the way that we define darkness. When you talk about darkness, like from a physics angle, what is darkness but the absence of light? When the light leaves, what's left behind? The darkness. It's always there. But John doesn't talk about darkness as though it's an absence. Rather, John talks about light and darkness as two separate opposing things, as though the light could overtake the darkness or the darkness could overtake the light. He speaks of darkness as an entity, a thing, a presence, not an absence. But I think you knew that already instinctively, didn't you? Even though we like to think well of people, we see this foreign presence. We see a darkness in ourselves, a foreign presence that has twisted us. We see that same darkness all around us in the authorities over us who've let us down, in friends and family who've hurt us. In the world, there seems to be a dark presence that introduces chaos and pain. And this darkness has many names and many faces. Sin, death, destruction, Satan, the flesh, The world, all of these darknesses press upon us and we take them for granted and very easily begin to think the darkness is going to win. The darkness is going to beat me. The darkness is going to be victorious. But the major teaching point of passages like Genesis 1 and John 1 is this, that a personal, powerful God exists who is able and intends to overcome the darkness. That's your next blank. Genesis 1 and John 1 are not about how did God create. No, the major teaching of Genesis 1 and John 1 is this. A powerful, personal God exists who is able and intends to overcome the darkness. You are not alone in the dark. You are not alone in your struggle against the darkness. But in fact, God intends to defeat the darkness. Well, how? How is he going to do that? He can do it because he has the power of life within himself. And that life is the light of men. The creator who made all things can save all things. Life will defeat death. Light will overcome darkness. Creator will protect and save creation. The word is able to save you from the darkness in your life. And as we sit and wait in the season of Advent, You may feel alone. 
in the darkness. You may feel hopeless. You may feel overcome. You may feel as the only darkness lies behind and ahead. But friends, there was a light before the darkness. And that light was life. And that light shines again on the horizon. That light shined on the first Christmas day. And that light will shine when the Word, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, when He returns again to this earth, on that day, His light will shine and will eradicate all darkness. There is hope. And it's only in Him. Only the Word can overcome your darkness. That's your next blank. Only the Word can overcome your darkness. There's a reason you might feel hopeless about yourself and your world. Because you can't overcome them on your own. Darkness, death, sin, conflict, pain, it might feel like the norm. But they are not the way this world began. They are not the source of your existence, nor are they the reality that defines you. No, we find our existence, our purpose, our hope in the Word from whom life and light proceed. Indeed, you find your meaning, your purpose, your hope, your answer, you find it in Jesus. The Word promised that He would overcome your darkness. That's your next blank. The Word promised that He would overcome your darkness. So John begins his story about this figure, the Word. And I want to read a few things that the Word said when He came to the earth. Listen to these words of Jesus from the Gospel of John. I've got the references there in case you want to go back and look at them later. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He also said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. No, you cannot fix your darkness. No, the world cannot fix its darkness. We are stuck with our darknesses on our own, but the Word... He came to this earth to shine into the darkness and to set us free. Indeed, He has already done it. He has already accomplished the overwhelming of our darkness, though it's not yet fully come to be. That's your next blank. He has already accomplished what He promised, though it has not yet fully come to be. The Word, the One who created, who was in the beginning with God, He has already come to the earth and defeated darkness. He has already defeated death, but we do not see that promise yet come to full fruition. So here in Advent, we remember his light, which shone on the first Christmas, but we await the return of his light into the world when all things will be filled with his light and life. Listen to the language of darkness in John chapter 20, verse 1. It says this, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Think about Mary Magdalene in this moment, standing alone in the darkness for an empty grave, 
weeping and staring and wondering what had happened here. And as she stands there, all she sees is the darkness, not knowing the light that shone just a few hours before. This light that preceded the darkness, little did she know what had dawned only hours before that the Word had defeated death and put into motion the eradication of all darkness. And so in this season of Advent, we stand with Mary Magdalene in the darkness. It's hard to see anything but the darkness, and it stirs our fear and despair. And so John speaks into the darkness and says, remember the dawn that came before the darkness. Remember the Word who stood with God, who was God, in whom is light and life. You cannot be overcome by the darkness by which you are surrounded because the Word has defeated this darkness. You are not without hope. Only the Word can overcome your darkness, and in fact, He has already overcome it through the death and resurrection of the Word called Jesus So do you have hope that light could still shine in the darkness? Can you look at the darkness in yourself and in your world and say, all is not lost? Only the Word can overcome your darkness. So do you know the Word? This personal being who is in the beginning with God. This personal being who came on the first Christmas and for whose return we now wait. Have you seen him overcoming the darkness in your life? Have you imagined how your life and this world will be different when he returns one day and makes all things right? The answer to all of your questions, the answer to the solution to all of your problems can be found in this one being in the Word. He's the meaning behind all things, the purpose for which you exist. So do you know him? If you don't, seek him during this Advent season, for in him is found life and light. Indeed, you find in the word, in Jesus, what you need the most. Only the word can overcome your darkness. Do you know him? Let's pray. Father, in the darkness of our lives and our worlds, in the hopelessness and pain and sin and struggle, teach us to wait by the window looking for the light on the horizon. Teach us to hope. Lord Jesus, You who created, You who was made flesh on the first Christmas, help us to see in Your life, death, and resurrection hope The darkness can be overcome. In fact, that it has already been overcome. Fill our hearts with the hope of Advent. That one day, Jesus, you will return and make all things right. And that we will live eternally with you in a world made right and relationships made right with you and with each other. Fill us with this hope because we know you, Lord Jesus. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know you in that way, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would make yourself known to them this Advent season, that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way, that they may find in you not only their hope, but their whole reason for existing. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we look forward to your return. 
pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.